Today on the University Podcast, I have my friends, Sean and Rachel Bonet with me. How are you guys doing? Hey, yo, we're well. It's your boy, Sean Bonet, checking in. <laughs> Wife, Rachel, give him, a, give him a hey. Hello. <laughs> so I think we're about to record a little like rap album or something yeah. with, with that kind Did of Did you know intro. I was in a rap group in high school? I, I think you may have told me this, but I may have tried to blot it out. Yeah, of like I, he didn't say that. Yeah, what, so what is the thing? Of your past? Yeah, there? no, that's what it does. Because you know, I've I've had you know all these albums I've recorded, and then some people remember those and come to me or back when I was you know uh, actively promoting my music. People would want to come you know rap for me or AB, write let me, me rap. You know, sign me on. And, and I think this is this is so this is me like you know yeah. I, this is why I moved to Moscow. Unless, I unless you have like a freestyle prepared, which wouldn't be a freestyle no. right now. I'll, I'll let you go. No, but, I wouldn't want to do that. Okay, That's a I'll, different, I'll different spare, podcast. I'll spare the listeners. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you ended up here in Moscow, who you are, and what um, each of you guys are, are up to these days. So we just moved from West Texas this last summer, summer of 2019, primarily because we had a worldview, or I guess, yeah, worldview paradigm shift in that wherever we want to go, we want it to be centered around joining a good church community, uh, in opposed to like, oh, this is a great job here so I'm gonna go after that mm -hmm. or I really want to live in this pretty place so let's go there we wanted the you know like and we're Are you getting, saying you live in an ugly place or what I'm saying is we're getting all the best of worlds here but the primary thing uh, was good church good um, leadership and community to join so that's how we got to Moscow okay mm -hmm. and what are you both doing here so uh, was the church alone the thing that brought you? Were there other fact? What other factors? Yeah, the main practical thing that brought us here is I'm a graduate teaching assistant at the University of Idaho. So I'm a graduate student there, but I also work part time. So that initial job, so it's my job, uh, provided a practical means as our financial resources to say, okay, go to Moscow because you've got a job set up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also my family is close. Um, I have a grandmother who lives in town and then uh, my, yeah, the rest of my family just kind of uh, into Washington and okay. on the west side mostly, but yeah. And so, Rachel, did you ever visit Moscow before you guys moved here? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So my, my grandma has lived here for 58 years. Okay. And so um, <laughs> for my whole life, we've been coming to Moscow. Okay. And, yeah, but to see her, you know, not... Yeah. Really any other part of Moscow. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And in the summer of 2016, Rachel and I came to Moscow, had no idea about the church community here mm -hmm. or really an intention that we'd ever move here. We yeah. were just visiting her grandma. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how did you find out what else was here in Moscow? So I have a friend, his name is Jacob Rush. He and I went to high school together. And at some point in his way, he came out here to do ministry prep. And so we stayed in touch through the years and he was just telling me about it. And then I got connected with some of the ministry content produced in Moscow and saw that we wanted to put ourselves in a place that, uh, in a church that, you know, highly values uh, marriages and families and Christian education. Yeah. So I want to circle back to something you uh, mentioned earlier about you are a graduate student at the University of Idaho, and yet 
the church was kind of the main factor in what you were looking for. So how did that decision-making process happen and which came first? Did you say, we want to move there because of the church? Oh, there happens to be a university right there. Uh, Take us into kind of the thought process behind making a huge decision, like moving your family from Texas to Idaho. Yeah. So it was all happening at the same time. So I was getting to this place, finishing my undergraduate career and saying, yeah, I want to go on for graduate school. And at that same time, having this shift where it's like, well, wherever we go, I want to make sure I'm going to plant my family um, in a good church area. I don't just want us to be stranded, hoping we'll find something there and then maybe have to commute an hour and a half for, um, for a meaningful uh, gathering or biblical teaching. So as, as I was casting a wide net for graduate schools, one of them was the University of Idaho, I think because uh, her grandma lives in Moscow. She has family who lives in Spokane. But at the same time, I knew, uh, I knew what was going on in Moscow through Jacob. And so that came on the radar. And so then it was a matter of making a priority list of like, well, should we go, you know, check out Rice? Or, you know, I had all these, you know, big ambitions for schools. Like, should we go there? Yes. Like, what's the list? What does it have? And so strangely enough, Moscow had all of these great things going for it. There's all these signposts from the Lord saying, go here. You know, we had the church. Uh, the school that had my graduate program and offered me an opportunity, a uh, financial opportunity. Uh, family close, like in Moscow and in Spokane. Uh, beautiful area. Like, I love the Northwest. Rachel grew up in the Northwest. Yeah. So it's like, wow, this is the part of the world we want to live in. Yeah. Anyway, so those sort of four things were working okay. in our favor. Yeah, all we kind of need here in Moscow is a body of water and a really large mountain. And I think we'd be yeah. we'd be golden. <laughs> that's right. But. There's a river in Lewiston. So yeah, that's about yeah. the closest you could do is the, the river in Lewiston yeah. and maybe and some retention some ponds. ponds. Well, yeah. we can build it. Or we can <laughs> okay, build yeah, it. That, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we can build a mountain. Uh, so, Rachel, why don't we start with you and mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how you came to start following Jesus. When did that happen and what were the circumstances surrounding that? And then after you, uh, Sean. Yeah, so my father uh, and his father before him and his brother and his sisters uh, are in ministry. Okay. Uh, so he's been a pastor for my whole life. And um, so because of that, I was in church and hearing the gospel uh, at a really young age. Well, you know, since being born. Yeah. Um, and. So I heard and believed that at a really young age. Um, and so the course of my life since then has just been different milestones of growing um, in that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, short and sweet, that's kind of, yeah. like it's, um, yeah, it's pretty simple, I Ta- suppose. But. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those milestones, maybe mm-hmm. pick one or two that you, Uh, that kind of stand out to you as very significant as someone who grew up in the faith but now is maturing and coming into your own as you get older? Sure, yeah. So I think, um, as I said, I I heard and and believed and understood as much as like a a five-year-old, as a five-year-old, like that I was a sinner 
um, and that the only way that I could be saved from my sin was through the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Um, but I think as, as I got older, specifically like as a 12-year-old, um, it just sort of started, I was coming to terms with my own sin in yeah. a way that I had never <laughs> understood I before. I thought I was bad, but now I'm really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly that. And Well, and I think there's an element where like, as I got older, there was just a continuing deeper understanding of my depravity, okay. yeah. uh, which as that understanding grew, so did my thankfulness and understanding of God's grace yeah. to me. And so, um, yeah, so, but I think specifically like as a 12 year old, that was a, a real shift, a big turning point for mm -hmm. me. Um, and yeah. And then, um, when I went to college, I was, um, I, from the time I was 11, I was in a house with just my dad and my brothers. And so it was just me and all these boys. Yeah. Um, and so going to college and being around um, young women who were believers too was a really um, meaningful time in my life and really uh, helpful time for growing in a way that I, I just different examples for me that I hadn't yeah. really had throughout my teenage years. Mm -hmm. um, and I was living with them because, you know, I was in college and in a dorm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then where's your mother in all of this? Um, so my mom uh, had breast cancer and okay. she passed away when I was 11. And so, yeah, sorry, that was okay, a little so bit that cryptic, was, that yeah. whole, yeah. That's, yeah, um, I was wondering. So mm -hmm. when that happened, how did that affect your trust in God? Because that's a pretty traumatic thing to go through right. as an 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... You know, I, <laughs> it was, hmm. <laughs> you know, I've told this story a lot throughout my life and I always have a hard time putting this part into words, um, but I think uh, it was either be angry at God or run to him and I ran <laughs> to him and um, like there was just a lot of different circumstances surrounding that that was where he was just really kind to my family and me in particular just um putting uh different other ladies in my life to um that were just really comforting and uh and good examples for me mm -hmm. um and but yeah i think yeah, just looking back and seeing the ways that he was faithful all the way through that experience and then afterward as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it also, it, it facilitated to a certain extent um, this experience as a 12-year-old where I was continuing to come to terms with my sin just because I had seen death firsthand. Mm -hmm. And um, so in thinking about how, like, well, sin means death, um, and I know what that looks like now. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I think it has been a major catalyst for spiritual growth and trust in God um, because it was, it's been so clear how he's been faithful. Yeah. The whole and time. didn't you have a big conversation with Brad Miles once? Was that, wasn't that pretty significant? Yeah, yeah. So Brad Miles was our pastor in Texas and, uh, yeah, he, um, I think, like, there's, I almost feel like there was this 
thing in my life where I just wouldn't, I don't know if I wasn't being allowed, or I didn't think about these questions of like, well, um, why, you know, I remember praying as a kid, watching my mom get sick and, and become sicker, like, well, God, will you help her? You know, will you save her? Um, and I, I remember doing that, and then, you know, and then she, then she died. And, uh, and until I was in college, weirdly enough, I never really wondered why, mm-hmm. you know, and I heard this story of this, this man who had, he came to our school, and he, uh, um, he had had, like, stage four stomach cancer, and some of his students prayed over him, and he was healed, like, um, and that just sort of sparked this question that I had never asked before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to talk to a pastor just about that. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really helpful conversation uh, just as far as like, I don't know, I, I don't have a, a great answer for like, well, why not my mom, but why this other person, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, like, the answer is that, like, God was glorified. I'm not sure how necessarily, but is glorified both in the death of one of his saints and the fruit of that, and also in the healing of another and the fruit of that. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I think you make a, a good point that there's always going to be some kind of fruit coming from mm-hmm. it either way. And yeah. Fruit that God is pleased with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that oh, with sure. us. Yeah. Uh, Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. You know, I think maybe in some ways we were nominally Christian, but not even to the point where we would go to church on some sort of semi-annual basis, like for the, you know, the good ones of Christmas and Easter. Yeah. Um, but there is a, a faith tradition in my different family lines. So through my dad's side, family coming from fleeing Germany during World War II, sponsored by the Lutheran Church in Canada, able really? to get to Canada, yeah. and then migrated down to the States. Wow. So there's like a, a Lutheran tradition there, but it um, broke off. And then... With my mom's side, sort of like a maybe Baptist Southern Bible Belt uh, Christianity that also sort of um, decayed and was filtered out. But I just, as uh, growing up as a kid, I think I was always pretty concerned about death, mm-hmm. pretty concerned about, or I really understood like, wow, we don't actually live very long. and. I never had, I was never under this impression as a child that uh, time was something that took a long time to work out. I knew like, oh, soon I'll be 40 and 60, 80, and then maybe dead. Yeah. And I never got caught up in the trap of, okay, well, just finish high school. Why? So then you can go to college and then get a job and then get married. I always knew that the end of that was death. Every, you know, every path or I wanted to pursue. I knew that death was at the end of it. So that bothered me a lot. And I remember early on in my childhood kind of broaching that with parents and family and friends and never really getting, you know, 
an answer. There's never really any cost. What do you tell a kid who's just like, <laughs> so what is what's up with the what's up with this death thing? And right. Like, how do we deal with that? And it's like, okay, child, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, especially you driving to dinner. It's kind of like, you know, we don't really talk about that. Why are you ruining the evening? I think, I think once my my father said, well, you should talk to your grandpa about that sometimes, uh, and he was a Lutheran. Uh, but I never got around to it. Yeah. Uh, so. Had that curiosity, wondering, and it sort of just kind of came in, and I actually remember at points like being really concerned at night, like scared because I heard a noise, or you know, paranoid, like, well, what if someone breaks in and murders me? Like, oh no! And so I had these moments of like praying to God, like, please don't let me die or be murdered this night. Yeah. Uh, but in kind of speeding that up to high school, had a friend. Uh, freshman summer of freshman year invite me to a church camp and I wasn't really interested not because I was super like oh church that sounds lame I just didn't it didn't initially sound fun but I had no reason to think it would be lame yeah. it's just like I don't really understand so maybe not uh, but there's kind of a, a funny story where I was at my friend's lake house, not the same friend who invited me to the church camp. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we were about to have a great weekend on the lake. It's the summer. And that friend who invited me called me again. I was like, hey, are you going to church camp this weekend? Like, we're leaving, I think it was like tomorrow or in two days. And I'm thinking like, oh, no, that sounds, no, I don't want to do that. I'm at the lake. <laughs> um, and so I hung up and told him, no, no, thanks. I'm not going. But then it kind of dawned on me. I kind of say the, it was the holy first uh, experience of the Holy Spirit working in my life. But I was also thinking like, well, maybe I can meet a girl if I went to this <laughs> church camp. That's <laughs> so why I called him back and said, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. And so during that week, it was really the first time I heard the gospel preached in its entirety. One where you have a preaching of sin and death and you can actually have eternal life and I just was really convicted again by the idea of death especially uh, uh, eternal spiritual death and then realizing the, the glory that Jesus delivers us uh, from death so repent and believe in him and I did that six months later and I was staying with the uh, the church that invited me and I got to see examples of Christians being in fellowship and I was really compelled and I thought that was really sweet. So that's really how I got into the faith. Yeah. And then, uh, did you guys both go to the same college in Texas mm -hmm. and what college was this? Uh, Wayland Baptist University. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wayland Baptist University. Mm -hmm. And you both have bachelor's degrees from there. Mm -hmm. And then what do they, what kind of degrees are they in? So I have a Bachelor's of Arts in Music History. Okay. And I have a Bachelor of Arts in Recreation and Camp Management. Recreation. So you you could have met the girl at the camp. Yeah. So, so, now, so now I'm curious. How did, so uh, tell us, how did you meet? At what point did that happen um, for you guys? Yeah, so as much as I've been interested in death, I've also been interested in girls for a long time as well. So death and girls are like my, my two... Uh, contemplations <laughs> yeah and my sweet my sweet points yeah and my buttons 
So <laughs> all that to say, when I came to college, I was really interested in finding a wife, and yeah. so I was on the hunt. Before yeah. you die, you need to find girl. Because right? I, I knew the end of it all was death, but I still wanted a family. Yeah. <laughs> so was you know heavily look, trying to find a good godly wife in college. And so Rachel's two years older than me, so I was a freshman, so she was a junior. Sorry, what, real quick. And when would you say you would mark your like conversion or your kind of coming to Jesus moment? What age? Yeah, 15. 15. Okay, so you've had a few years. Yeah. Now you're at yeah, and, school. And to fill in that gap between 15 and college, when I became a Christian, there was uh, a big explosion of spiritual growth, I would say, like very clear, decisive okay. uh, repentance and change of life just in terms of thought pattern and action. So. Yeah. But still need now you need to find a godly girl. That's right. Not just any girl. Yeah, not just any girl. <laughs> so go to Whalen Baptist University. Yeah, or WBU Wedding Bells University. Oh, okay. <laughs> AKA. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. And also, you were a swimmer, so and Wayland had a swim team. Yeah, that's actually why yeah. I went to college. Is okay. they had a swim team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and girls. <laughs> so. The the main turning point that got my eyes on Rachel was we we were at our our uh, what do you call that university ministry club meeting leadership meeting and one of the girls like was speaking and she said you know any guy would be a fool if they didn't go after Rachel you know I don't know how this came up <laughs> I don't know why she was talking about it. Rachel wasn't in the room and so you know okay. well, like it'd a, be kind of embarrassing if someone oh, did yeah. that yeah. yeah so I'll, you know. I think I was the only wise guy in the room because I leaned back and thought, I don't want to be a fool. I'm going to go after that Rachel yeah. girl. And so I started, you know, scoping her out, tracking her down, you know, subtly for a few months. And there came a point where I, you know, asked some friends like, hey, I think, uh, I think I'm going to ask Rachel on a date, what do you think about that? And they're like, oh yeah, I think that seems good. So I had this time of contemplating, because yeah, as much as I love girls, I didn't just want any girl, I wanted yeah. a good wife. And did you know her or about her at all beforehand? Or what, like what, this this woman was really persuasive apparently, because you're just like, all right, now I'm gonna go uh, try to find her and marry her, since you told me you be a fool. Okay. That's right. Uh, yeah, so Rachel and I were just acquaintances. Okay. Uh, when I was, you know, you know, studying her and on the hunt, uh, I didn't, I wasn't like texting her or playing this, you know, flirt game with her. Uh, so we Which knew. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So we yeah. just knew each other through uh, the, the ministry organization. Okay. Yeah. And, and Rachel maybe didn't have the most positive first impression of me because. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still kind of strange and, and goofy Did and weird. Did you come at her spitting bars or something? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> Oh uh, no, that's at night, and I only saw her in the day. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Why don't you tell the story? <laughs> well, so leaving some of the particulars out, maybe yeah. uh, he just um, it's very over was the top, as excessively a silly, a little bit over the top, and okay. I was just like, nah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when she you wanted down. to be a wise woman, yeah. so you're like, I'm not sure about this guy. Yeah. Uh, so when yeah. she looked at me, she yeah, was thinking, there's anything wrong with him? But, yeah. <laughs> It's just not for me. So, go through that period and then think, all right, I'm going to pull the trigger and shoot at the game. So, 
uh, after, before one sort of worship gathering, I said, hey, Rachel, can I talk to you afterwards? And she's like, yeah. And so the... the and did you know what was coming? No. Okay. No, we had just recently gotten back from uh, like a ministry trip, and I thought it was going to be about uh, this couple that we had met and okay. on that trip and I was like oh yeah he's probably you know yeah that's okay. not what it was about okay. <laughs> so she had a cover <laughs> had a cover <laughs> yeah oh man that's so funny uh and so the the meeting ends and man this guy wouldn't stop talking to her about music and like I was trying to ask this girl a date and so he's like he's like blocking me for like <laughs> what seemed to be like 30 minutes so I finally I finally get her into a room <laughs> just to ask her a question, that's it. Um, and so I just say, hey, Rachel, you know, I really admire you. I've got a crush on you, and I just want to know, you want to go on a date with me? And she said, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was real quick, real quick, shot, sh sh shoot down, throw down, put me in the grave, and... Uh, hey, you're like, now I can die. <laughs> now I can die. <laughs> And the worst part was, is all my friends were outside of that room because they knew what was going on. Oh, man. And so I had to walk out there like thumbs up, arms up, big grins, eyes wide. Yeah, you were going to Applebee's afterwards. I know. And Rachel was coming. It was our first date. And, and uh, you know, I had to give them the, the hand across the throat, like, get out of here. She said no. And yeah. they're like, oh, oh, what? <laughs> and then Rachel's like coming after me. And there's this parade of our mutual friends who are... <laughs> Like looking at her sideways. Mm -hmm. Apparently, everyone and their mom knew that this was coming except okay. for me. Except for you. So yeah, but look at looking back. Should you have seen this coming, or was he actually good at concealing it? Uh, I mean, I don't think I should have seen it coming, and I just yeah, because he was. I don't know. We were just friends. Yeah. And yeah, acquaintance friends, not really close friends. Yeah. You know, I was trying to. I was trying to get in close and be near her, get her attention, but I was decisively not. Trying know. to be somewhat well, yeah. subtle. Well, yeah. I think... Um, I wasn't trying to... I don't know what kind of flirting signals people drop nowadays. Well, so that's the but. thing. I think one of the things that was both, like, didn't tip me off, but also I really respect about that whole time is just that, like, I had this... I don't know, the pattern, the example that had been set in my life of, like, if someone is interested, like, they're just really nebulous and weird about it and yeah. flirty and, you know, you like, whatever. Smell your hair when you're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't um, do that. <laughs> and then um, you catch them and you're like, oh, so you want to go on a date since we're right, here. Right, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's just kind of this, like, I don't know, it's, yeah, uh, and... He didn't do that, and I'm really glad that he didn't do that, because uh, I don't like to play games. So yeah. I'm not, yeah. Okay, so um, we're dying to know, so how did you guys end up actually right. getting together now? Yeah. Um, to we're make not long, actually married. Yeah. <laughs> we're just friends. <laughs> to make a long story really short, um, I, one of the reasons that I said no was just I, um, I had kind of overcorrected uh, as a result of a a bad experience, okay. bad dating experience, and was just like, mm, no to everyone, okay. uh, forever. <laughs> like, uh, and so, so you did a, I'm done with boys thing. Yeah, well, at least Texas yeah. boys. My plan was to just go back to Oregon after I graduated okay. and, and find a hipster. <laughs> or, or not. That was the, th okay. you know, so like there, there's just sort of this like, I, I don't have to get married. I don't. It'll be whatever. Uh, yeah. But, um, so yeah, I, 
overcorrected and was still sitting just in a different direction. Okay. And so, um, yeah. So oh, I. Oh, you can sin as a Christian. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Way. So that conversation with Sean was kind of a catalyst of like of conviction of some of those things where I had overcorrected and or or just you know yeah was maybe overcorrecting is a bad way to say that um but yeah and so just had lots of really good conversations with um the ladies around me that I really trusted and then <laughs> also our uh, university ministry director um, who I worked for and he had been kind of jokingly trying to set me up with all sorts of people and yeah, this, this was the only time we ever had a real like Donnie I need to ask you about relationships yeah. kind of conversation and so um, yeah and that was just a really helpful conversation too and so I well so yeah, yeah. so she so she's going through this process of consulting <laughs> Uh, with her counsel, yeah. Uh, but you know, also she's she's a, she's a sweet <laughs> yeah. she's a sweet girl. So she got back to me and wanted to tell me why she said no. Mm-hmm. And so just I, more clearly, why yeah. So we got together, and I'm thinking like, all right. And as she's laying out why she said no, I'm hearing, I said no, but I actually want to go on a date with you. Uh-huh. So at the end of that meeting, I say, hey. So you want to go on a date with me? <laughs> and she says no again. <laughs> She's like, clearly you're not good at listening. <laughs> <laughs> so we're done here. Um, yeah. And then, and then the, fruit, the fruit of her counsel came forth. She texts me mm-hmm. April 7, 2015, 10.02 p.m. <laughs> I was working on an English paper. Yeah. And, and I, yes, I wasn't busy. And uh, she changed her mind. Told yeah. me she wanted to go on a date with me. So how much time elapsed between that first no and the yes? About a week and a half. The first no was on uh, March 23rd, (laughs) Monday, March 23rd, 2015. Two weeks, I guess. And then the yes came on April 7th, 2015. So you guys like celebrate these annually because it sounds like you really know. It's in our shared calendar, yeah. Okay. (laughs) About 14 days and three hours between the... So there's a time of annual fasting where you, you remember this relationship struggle and then, you know, re, relive the... It's our feast calendar. Yes. It's in our feast calendar. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So I'm just curious to know, what would maybe each of you guys, what would be like one big marriage or relationship um, kind of advice you'd have? So this, this podcast is mainly for university students or high schoolers that are about to go into college. And if there's one thing that especially uh, young people don't know how to do well, it's relationships. So I don't know if this was uh, a great way of approaching relationships. You guys have both described potential places where you might have sinned or done. You would do things differently. I think a lot of us look back and say, man, I can't believe we're actually together based on my behavior. Mm -hmm. So now that you're, you know, matured a bit and, and looking back on that, what advice, maybe one piece of advice you'd have for, for students thinking about relationships and, and death? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, babe. Um, uh, well, so, if you're a believer and your parents are believers, listen to your parents. Well, listen to your parents anyway, because God told you to. But um, Did he? As, yep, he did. Um, uh, but, yeah, they... They know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're submitting to God's word, then 
they extra know what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so listen to your parents um, and and trust them um, and just it'll alleviate a lot of grief in your life. Um, but also, um, I don't know, for ladies, find a young man who will tell you the truth. Um, not just about like the things that they do or whatever, but about the things that you do, like the ways that you sin, who will point out to you. Mm -hmm. um, that won't just tell you yeah. you're beautiful, but also yeah. that you mm -hmm. are sinning Actually, right now. Being ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I and I would advise. So, if I look back on our relationship, we had the the you know two weeks of mourning where she said no, <laughs> but I think we. I'm really glad for the way that we did our whole relationship, and I think part of the why it went super smoothly in a lot of uh, regards is. We both were um, fully surrendered and committed to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we knew he was the ultimate source of everything. And if you have that in play, and when you go into a relationship, you're not trying to slip relationship above Christ in some sort of mm -hmm. idolatrous way, you're, you're probably going to find a relationship to go pretty well. So be... Make sure you like you actually love God first, and don't just think, "Oh yeah, I love God because I go to church a lot." Like, mm -hmm. do you actually love God's holiness, and do you hate your sin? Do you feel conviction about those things? And if not, if you just get in a relationship, you're going to come to a point uh, of reckoning, of like some serious reckoning, and you don't want to do that with another person. <laughs> yeah, you want to deal with as much of your own sin before yeah. you get into a marriage right. covenant where now that's going to be getting them messy too. Yeah. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're not. And, I, and I would say the biggest help is, so when you feel like you're in a good sanctifying spot, and it's not, it's not a perfection, it's really just like, yes, God is all, all holy and I'm sinful. And when right I sin, posture. yeah, yeah, it's just about adopt the right posture, disposition first, and then go into it. And when you go into it, know what you're going into. If you're looking to go on dates, you're looking to get married, and you shouldn't be afraid to make that clear. Mm -hmm. When I went to Rachel, I said, hey, I've got a crush on you. I want to take you on a date. So I was very clear that I like you, and I want to get to know you. Yeah. And, and even though I said no, I really appreciated that about being that straight exchange. Being straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and throughout the way, like, like when I asked her to be my girlfriend, I said, hey, I think I want to marry you. Will you be my girlfriend? And then I, you know, I gave some qualifications, like, yeah. we're not going to get married tomorrow, but I just kind of want to sort this out. So just be really clear that when you start to get into a relationship, know that yeah. you have marriage in the end. So, and if, if you're afraid of that and whoever you're trying to court with is afraid of that you're not ready yeah that's great well why don't we close with this one question to each of you and i always ask people if you are standing in front of a bunch of unbelievers and you have the microphone uh, what is one reason why every single person should follow jesus doesn't have to be uh, the best reason or that just 
one reason that you would give for why every person should follow Jesus? And Sean, why don't we start with you? Holy smokes, that's a fantastic question. God bless you, Aaron Ventura. (laughs) Why should you follow Jesus? Wow. I'm sorry, you said every single person or just every person? Every person. Every person, okay. I wasn't I referring wasn't sure to single as that. in unmarried, Man. but Got it. Okay. every person without uh, yeah. qualification should. I'd probably hit him with something meaty like this. <laughs> the triune God is the king of the world, and your, your first father and mother have offended him and put a curse on you, and you have propelled that curse through your own sin. So anytime you're disobedient, you're not doing things the way that they should be, doing anything wrong, uh, that that brings God great, not only sadness, anger, frustration, it grieves him, and you have incurred a curse, a debt that cannot be um, reckoned by your own means. And there's going to be a day of judgment where you will die because of that. If you do not reckon with God, you will die. And you will die that death that you can't wake up from or will never be fixed. So, but this this triune God has uh, sent his son Jesus Christ to pay that sin debt. If you trust in him uh, as your advocate, you will find full forgiveness in God. So, Follow, follow God, turn to Christ, because if you don't, you'll die uh, eternally, and it'll be miserable. Rachel? That's a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to add to that? Yeah, um, I think, um, so that's a, a good all-encompassing <laughs> reason. I think, uh, this God who is the Lord of everything, um, he's spoken and he's given commands. Um, and while those commands fly straight in the face of our autonomous desires, they're, they're good commands that give us good life. Like it's good to follow Jesus. It's good to obey him. Mm -hmm. Um, because, uh, well, a lot of reasons, (laughs) um, when you, are obeying Jesus as far as confessing your sin uh, and um, like you're being honest with yourself and and with God and with others too and so like you're setting a foundation for all of your relationships like your relationship with God sets the foundation for all of your other relationships to be um, on a good foundation that's yeah. not built on just you trying to please them or to be pleased by them or to build this facade of who you are, this mm-hmm. person that you want them to think you are. Um, yeah, so you're you're building relationships on truth because you know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's a much better way to say what I just said, but yeah, it's it just, it's good to be obedient because yeah. his commands and his laws are good. Yeah. Yeah. And if I think if we sum up both of ours, turn to God or else you'll die mm-hmm. and turn to God 
because the way in which he wants you to live is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He leads you in a wonderful yeah. way of life. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for taking some time out to join me and talk about all sorts of love, <laughs> relationships, and, and following Jesus. And hopefully, we, maybe I could have you on uh, the show again. We could talk more about uh, some of this stuff. So Sounds good. Thanks sure. for coming. Thanks, Aaron.